Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. guys. I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Friday. We have just survived yet another week in Biden's America. It is a miracle. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Don't forget to check me out on social media, Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore, and on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also by email, I am at Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Again, Monica Crowley podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. So send me a note. Let me know what's on your mind. I read them all, I see them all, and I'm so grateful for you guys. All right, next week, Senator Tommy Tuberville, coach, is going to be here. Uh, We're going to talk to him about a bunch of things, including the outrageous thing of biological males being allowed to compete in girls' sports. Uh, Senator Tuberville has really made this a a cause celeb. He has really taken this on. He has been all over it. And in fact, I think he's got legislation to stop it. So he will be here next week to talk about that and a bunch of other things, including what is it like being a Republican in the minority in the U.S. Senate when the Republican House sends over phenomenal pieces of legislation only to see Chuck Schumer and the ghouls on the other side of the aisle just kill it in the Senate. We'll talk to him about a whole range of things. Also next week, we're going to talk CPAC because I'm going to be there speaking on the big stage. So get your tickets now if you haven't already at CPAC.org. CPAC.org. It's March 1st through the 4th. It's back in the Washington, D.C. area. So please reach out to CPAC.org. Get your tickets. Come and see me. Come and see President Trump, uh, Governor DeSantis. A whole range of conservatives are going to be there, as always, and really is the place to be. Um, So we're going to talk about that next week. And we've got another big guest coming up next week, too, uh, with something that we should all be supporting. So lots of great stuff straight ahead on the Monica Growling Podcast. All right. Also, today coming up, John Paul Mac Isaac. We're going to talk to him. If you don't know the name, you should because he was the OG of the Hunter Biden laptop story. He was a guy who owned the computer repair shop. One day in 2019, Hunter Biden, probably stoned out of his mind, stumbled into the shop, handed over his laptop, and the rest, as we know, is history. But John Paul Mac Isaac, his entire life was turned upside down and in many cases ruined by the full weight of the federal government after that. Through no fault of his own, he did all the right things. He was an upstanding citizen, unlike Hunter and Joe Biden. And he's the one whose life got ruined. So he's going to be here in a couple of minutes, and that is going to be a blow-the-doors-off conversation, I promise you. But first, the Monica Memo. America's skies, trains, and roads. Oh, my. What is going on? It's a good question. 
what is going on. It does seem we are in the midst of a slow-mo, maybe not so slow-mo, but it appears to be a slow-mo by traditional standards, attack of some kind from the sky, from the railways, from the roads. We have all these unidentified flying objects above us. We've, of course, had the Chinese spy balloon, which is really an aerial surveillance craft. The word balloon minimizes it, makes it sound like it's some little toy that the Chinese just sent flying over the country. It's not a toy. This is a very sophisticated surveillance device sent into the air by the Chinese, and the only reason we know about it is because a civilian, one of us, in Montana happened to take a picture And then the Montana newspaper picked it up and published it and said, what in Sam Hill is this? And then the administration was forced to disclose that it was, in fact, a Chinese aerial surveillance device. Otherwise, we never would have known. So it begs the question, how many other Chinese surveillance devices are floating above us right now or have been over the last two years? You better believe it. If uh, they tried that under President Trump, First of all, the military would have leaked it in two seconds if it entered U.S. airspace to make Trump look weak. But if it had been called to Trump's attention, you better believe he would have blown that out of the sky the second it entered American airspace, like over the Aleutian Islands uh, off the coast of Alaska. There is no way it would have been allowed to traverse the country unmolested for well over a week. So, and by the way, there was that story, I don't know if you saw it, but that, that uh, Biden was not told by his own military until a couple of days in. They withheld it from him. Now, he is supposed to be the commander-in-chief. He's supposed to know every threat posed to the United States and our interests around the world and here at home. The fact that the military kept this from him is, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's just unbelievable, and it tells you he's clearly not in charge. Now, Monica, we knew this. Yes, we knew this, but this is concrete evidence that the military command is in control of threats posed to the United States, and only when their hands were forced did they disclose it to the commander-in-chief, who then, they say, um, gave word to shoot it down, and then they overruled it. So the military waited a couple of days to bring it to Biden. Why? Because Biden, first of all, is not in control. We know this is Obama's third term, so they probably had to bring it to Barack and Michelle. Then the other reason that they didn't bring it to him is because he's a dementia patient. Do you know that yesterday he had his full physical at Walter Reed and the doctors put out a statement, oh, he's a very vigorous, robust 80-year-old male. They did not perform a cognitive test on him. They did not. We're going to get to Fetterman here in a second, too. They did not perform a cognitive test on him for obvious reasons because he's a dementia patient. The military cannot bring him information that is sensitive like this in real time because they are afraid he's going to slip and he's going to let it rip. Whether it's in front of the press, whether it's an offside, whether it's a mumbling thing, he's done this over and over again. So they can't bring him stuff in real time that's sensitive because they're afraid he's just going to blurt it out. This is what we're dealing with, with the president of the United States, okay? So we've had the Chinese aerial spy craft. We've had this uh, aerial thing shot down off the coast of Alaska, February 10th. We've had another UFO shot down over Canada, February 11th, and then the next day, February 12th, uh, some sort of device or craft was shot down over Lake Huron, uh, the Great Lakes, entering into the heartland. Still no details about any of this. In fact, you know, everybody's like, well, is this China launching an attack? Certainly gathering intel over our most sensitive nuclear and military sites? Are they trying to gather enough intelligence that they can launch a nuclear attack or an EMP, electromagnetic pulse attack against the United States? Are they readying for war? We should know this, but still no answers about the other flying objects. And again, we wouldn't have answers on the first one if it weren't for a U.S. civilian who happened to take a picture. 
Now we're getting a story yesterday. You probably didn't see it because the propaganda press buries everything. But apparently uh, one story says that there was a hobby club that sends up balloons into the sky. And they lost one. One went up into the sky and they, have, they had no idea where, where it went, etc. And they realized after the Chinese spy balloon that perhaps this could be flagged as a threat. So they reached out, the balloon club reached out to the FBI several times to advise of their small balloons, including the one that was missing. They got no call back. The FBI did not call them back. What are we paying the FBI for? Oh, that's right, to spy on us, to torture us, like our guest coming up here, John Paul MacIsaac. Those of us trying to do the right thing get targeted and attacked and have our lives ruined, but actual things like real crimes or this hobby balloon club that tried to call them to give them a heads up, like, hey, we lost one of these balloons. Maybe that's one of the things flying above. You might not want to send the Air Force to take it out. Got no callback, no response. No, the FBI is too busy targeting parents, Catholics, normal Americans, conservatives, us deplorables. Too busy doing that. Can't pick up the phone and return a call. It's just, I mean, this was a $12 balloon by a hobby club. I don't know if this is the answer to one of these devices that we got reported, but if we sent up the United States Air Force which costs a bajillion dollars, okay, to go up and take out anything. And I'm glad that they're there for real threats. But if this cost a fortune, millions and millions of dollars to do that, to take out a toy balloon from a hobby club, I mean, this is where we are. Because we have a dementia patient as president of the United States. Listen to him just dismiss the idea that China may have been involved In any of this stuff, listen. We know that a range of entities, including countries, companies, and research organizations, operate objects at altitudes for purposes that are not nefarious, including legitimate scientific research. I want to be clear. We don't have any evidence that there has been a sudden increase in the number of objects in the sky. We're now just seeing more of them partially because the steps we've taken to increase our radars, to narrow our radars. And we have to keep adapting our approach to uh, delaying, to dealing with these challenges. I mean, it's just completely stupid and incredibly dangerous. He's just dismissing the idea that China could have had a role in any of these things. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm worried about a commander-in-chief with, A, dementia, to the point where the military is overruling the commander-in-chief because he's so out of it and his judgment is so bad, and, two, because the commander-in-chief happens to be compromised, deeply, deeply, profoundly compromised by the CCP, our premier enemy, that is sending God knows what into the skies. And then on top of that, we've got... We've got Trains derailing. We've got a major ecological disaster with toxic chemicals spewing into the air, polluting the water in the heartland of America. Our fellow Americans cannot drink their tap water, can't take a shower. And there's not, there's like a single guy, Pete Buttigieg, who is dismissing the whole thing as well, minimizing it, don't worry about it, it's fine. You got dead fish, uh, birds falling out of the sky, and our transportation secretary is nowhere to be found. This is a points to a much more profound problem. And the problem here in America, and it reaches back to, you know, DEI, it reaches back to identity politics. It's all of these things that have now created the conditions where these people on the left, because they've got the protection of the press, they know they can get away with anything, but they take these high-level jobs or they get elected to these high-level jobs, whether it's Biden Bill de Blasio, uh, mayor of New York, uh, former mayor, uh, Eric Adams, who's in there now. But you look around, mayors, uh, cabinet secretaries like Pete Buttigieg, they're either selected because of their identity. They check certain boxes, person of color, woman, gay, whatever, whatever. Um, And they are appointed or they're elected because they're in deep blue radical areas like New York City or Seattle or Chicago, whatever it might be. 
But most of these people on the left who get into these positions are only there for resume padding. They're appointed or they're elected because, you know, they're on the left, they check boxes. But then once they're in the jobs, they're only there to smile, glad hand, have their photos taken, and pad their resumes so that they can fail up into the future. That's why they're there. They're not actually there to do any hard work. Oh, no, no, no. No, do not ask them to do any hard work. They won't do that. God forbid. Bill de Blasio was in the uh, governor's mansion in New York City smoking dope. He would roll out of bed at like 9 a.m., smoke a little dope, go to the gym. They don't actually want to do any hard work. Pete Buttigieg right now. You kidding me? He took like a three-month paternity leave in one of the most, you know, top high-level jobs in the country. You don't just check out. But all of these people on the left just check out. They're not there to do any hard work. They're not there to serve the American people or their constituents. They're there to pose and, and spew all kinds of leftist garbage. That's what they're there to do. And to change the country to the extent that they can. They're revolutionaries. Most revolutionaries actually do do hard work. These revolutionaries don't want to work that hard. And that's why you know people are reading this as incompetence. And yes, it's that. But it's also because these people are lazy revolutionaries. Their revolution is going, but, you know, they're just kind of carrying it along while they smile for Instagram. Ask them to do hard work on behalf of the American people? No. And all of the people on our side who are scratching our heads going, gosh, golly, I just don't understand. Why doesn't Biden get that these economic policies don't work? Or why is he, by the way, he's going to Miami this weekend, today. He's going to Miami for the weekend. Uh, I guess he wants out of Delaware for the weekend. These people don't do any hard work. They just don't. Because it's not, first of all, it's not in them. Secondly, they don't give a flying wit about you. And third, their main mission is transforming the country. And they do it in kind of a lazy way. There are some breakneck revolutionaries, that's true, like AOC or Elizabeth Warren. There are some who bust their tails every day to transform this country. But for the most part, you know, Pete Buttigieg's of the world, the Jennifer Granholm's of the world, Secretary of Energy. I mean, they're all in there doing what? I don't know, having lunches all day, posing for Insta. This is resume building so they can continue to fail up while destroying the country in the process. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to John Paul MacIsaac, who has had his life entirely turned upside down and ruined by the FBI, which we pay for not doing their real actual job, but targeting people like us, trying to do the right thing. He is going to be here with his unbelievable story. So sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double, And the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys. And you'll feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. 
That's promo code Monica at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Well, I've been talking about this for well over a week um, because I'm really excited to have this conversation. It's going to be a very important conversation, and I'm glad to have you all on board for it. I'm delighted to have with us today an unwitting hero of our times, an unsung hero of our times, an everyman who faced the entire force of the United States government simply for being a small business owner and having the worst client ever walk through his door. John Paul Mac Isaac was the owner of the computer repair shop in Delaware and the recipient from Hunter Biden himself of the laptop from hell. Ever since, he has been in the crosshairs of the feds, and he has now told his story in a brand new book, which is an absolute page turner. It reads like a novel, but unfortunately for John Paul, it wasn't, it, and it remains his real life. It's called American Injustice, My Battle to Expose the Truth. And John Paul MacIsaac joins us now. Welcome, John Paul. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Well, it's great to have you here. And uh, as I was telling you before we came live, I have been following your unbelievable story and you have been a class act throughout it all. So before we do a deep dive into the story, how are you today? And you sound incredible. I've seen you all over Fox and TV, but how has this been for you personally? Oh, I, I don't like it at all. <laughs> I, uh, I'm kind of an introvert and I, I love helping people one customer at a time with their one specific problem. So this is, uh, this is quite well outside my comfort zone, uh, what I've been dealing with for the past couple of years. But, you know, I, I come from a military family. I, I was raised by heroes. I, I kind of have a hard time taking that title uh, because I know what a true hero is. Um, and I, I haven't done near, I didn't volunteer for this. So if, in my opinion, if you put on a badge or you put on the uniform and you volunteered for it, you're the hero. I'm just the guy that's trying to do the right thing and, and won't roll over. Well, that's very honorable of you to say, and this is exactly the kind of person um, that I know that you are and what makes you an unwitting hero into all of this. So yeah, I know what you're saying about heroism, but honestly, to go up against, and, and you didn't realize it at the time until it all came down crashing on your head, but to really stand up to the full force of the U.S. government, including the most fearsome agencies, the DOJ and FBI, um, it takes a lot of internal strength. I just want to say before we get into um, your story, I want to tell you, so <laughs> this week, it was so fortuitous that you were coming on the show because this week, uh, my laptop, my my battery, and I've got an older laptop and the battery started to bulge. And I was like, oh man, and the battery was draining. I went on Steve Bannon's show and in the middle of the live shot, the battery just drained and it was done in the middle of the live show. And so I brought it to a computer repair shop yesterday, and the guy happened to be a conservative. And I said to him, oh, are you aware of John Paul MacIsaac? And he's like, oh, man, yeah. All of us, you know, computer re repair shop guys, yeah, we all know him, and we think the world of him. So I wanted to pass that along to you, John Paul. Well, that, that's nice to hear. You're, <laughs> you're, you're certainly you don't a, get that kind of response. Well, you're certainly a hero in, in, to this guy, and I think in the broader computer repair shop community anyway, because you don't know who's walking through your door. All right, so I want to go through what happened to you and the story that you tell in American Injustice, because it really is a cautionary tale for the rest of us. Let's start at the beginning. That day that absolutely changed your life, April 12th, 2019. Describe what happened that day. Well, it was about 10 minutes before closing. It was a Friday night and I was really looking forward to closing the shop and, and enjoying my weekend. Uh, unfortunately, Hunter Biden walked into my shop with uh, three liquid damage laptops. Uh, one was a complete write-off. Uh, I handed it back to him. The other one, he just had some problems with the keys. So I gave him a keyboard so he could facilitate his own backup. And all he wanted was the data recovered off these laptops. So uh, he did, eventually we settled down on the third one. It was something that I could recover data from, but it would be touch and go because it was suffering liquid damage and, and power issues. Uh, I explained the procedure, the recovery procedure. 
that it would be recovered to our store server, that I'd contact him to have him drop off a drive once it's complete, if I was able to get anything off of it. I explained the abandonment product procedure like I do with all my customers. And uh, then he left. And then I went into the back to attempt the, the recovery. And unfortunately, like I was under the impression because one of the laptops had a Bo Biden sticker and often is the case where customers will come in with a deceased loved one's electronic devices and they just want to get the memories off of them. So that's kind of I felt bad for the guy. He was a bit disheveled. Uh, he was intoxicated. And I just assumed that he was trying to get his deceased brother's memories off of these devices. And uh, unfortunately, when I came into work the next day and, and was working on the data recovery and verifying the data recovery, I realized that this was not Bo's laptop. This was, in fact, Hunter's. And it was pretty gross. So let's let's you just put out a lot of information. So I've got a couple of questions about what you just said. So he brought in three separate laptops. One was a write off and one it was the other. And then you were you were able to do real work on one of them. You said that they were liquid damage. Did, did he tell you what happened to them? No, in, in my industry, we typically don't talk about what the liquid is or, or how it ended up inside the computer. Uh, we just assume that it's water and that it's uh, non-nefarious. Um, he did not divulge what the liquid was, but, um, it, you know, it, we, oh. don't, we don't think about these things. Okay, so we don't know if he dropped it in the toilet, if he took it in the shower with him, if he brought it into the pool. We have no idea. Okay, um, you say he was disheveled. Um, how was he dressed? Did he look like a homeless guy? No. Uh, so my vision's not the greatest. And, you know, I can see shapes and colors after, you know, four to eight feet. And so he was wearing dark blues and grays. Uh, you know, that that was about it as far as the color. Uh, it really wasn't until then, you know, he told me who he was because I, I never really paid attention to what the Biden offspring looked like. So, uh, when I was checking him in, that's when he informed me who he was and, and provided his contact information. And then, of course, you know, I, I verified who he was the next day because he the same guy that was in my shop was the same guy that was starring in a lot of the homemade uh, material on the laptop. Ah, interesting. So did he when he checked in the laptop, did he use the first name Hunter because his actual first name is Robert? Did he say I'm Robert Biden or R. Hunter? How did he check in? Uh, well, I asked him for his first name and he said Hunter. And then I asked him for his last name and he kind of paused and kind of sarcastically, like he almost expected me to know right. instantly who he was. Yeah. Uh, so when I asked uh, last name and he was like, uh, Biden. And I was like, All right. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. like he's Tom Cruise. Like you're supposed to know who Hunter Biden is, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I figure somebody that comes in 10, 10 minutes before you close with three laptops doesn't really care too much about your evening. Yeah, of course. And of course, he stumbled in right before closing time on a Friday night. Of course he did. Um, now, you said he was impaired. Was he? Did he appear high or drunk or both? Uh, I would say, yeah, from the, the smell, it was alcohol. Um, he was in a, in a playful mood the first time he came in. Uh, he was kind of goofing around a little bit. He did have a little bit of balance problems, but I didn't think it impaired his ability to understand the process or a drive he drove to the shop. Uh, when I left the shop about a half hour after he left, uh, his vehicle was still parked out in front of the shop with the, the I guess, the, the hazard lights on or the, the uh, little amber lights on. So uh, I, just, I just assumed that he was sleeping it off. Was he passed out in the car? Could you see him? It was dark. I couldn't tell. I just okay. knew the car was on. With the hazard lights on, parked. Wow. Wow. I haven't heard that detail before. So he probably left the shop, went into the car and passed out, fell asleep. Wow. That's, that's incredible. So, and then you left the shop. You didn't alert anybody that this car was still there and he was inside? No, it's a Friday night and, you know, there's, it's a parking lot to a shopping center. So there's, there's traffic and there's vehicles moving. And, okay. And, uh, you know, I, I figured he, he was okay. He was able to get there. He didn't seem, his motor skills didn't seem too impaired, but, you know, in hindsight, 
I should have been a better Samaritan. No, no, you, you've, t- you've done more than your share uh, for the American people and, and upholding the law, John Paul. All right, so he walks in and he asks for data recovery. I've had hard drive crashes. I'm sure many of our listeners have as well or a damaged laptop, and they bring you either a hard drive or they bring you the laptop uh, themselves and say, look, this has been damaged. Can you retrieve anything from this laptop? So he requests this service. Um, so you left on that Friday night and then you say the next day, Saturday, you came back in to do the work. What, what was that like? Oh, let, let me start with this. Um, he said he had to sign some paperwork to leave the laptop with you. What did that paperwork say? What kind of rights did it give you? Uh, well, the, at the bottom of all my customer paperwork is the standard disclaimers. You know, the Mac shop will be held liable for any lost or damaged products. Uh, also, it explains our abandonment process, which after 90 days uh, upon completion of the repair, if the customer fails to contact us or notify us of the repair, uh, then they forfeit that repair. Uh, in general, that process is for Say you had a broken screen and I put a $500 part into your computer and then you never come and pick it up. I need to recoup that. So I would take that part out of your computer and then sell it to the next guy. Unfortunately, with a liquid damage laptop, there's no parts to resell. I'm at a total loss at this point. It's just, I've wasted my time. So, you know, it's I'm I like getting paid for the services I provide. So I'm, I'm pretty adamant about uh, people coming in and picking those products up within that 90 days. And and normally it isn't a problem. Normally it's not a problem, but normal people are not Hunter Biden. He is not normal. So, so you had the right under the paperwork um, that he himself signed, which of course didn't read. And most people will go into a shop like this and just sign and and not actually read it. But you did have the right um, to take possession of that laptop once he didn't reclaim it. Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, did you copy the hard drive or while you were doing the data retrieval, you, you said you were actually seeing the material as it was what being downloaded? I mean, I'm technologically not, <laughs> not, not on point here, so I don't really know what I'm talking about. But were you copying his hard drive and were you seeing it, seeing the material in real time? So normally, if, if the computer's healthy or the drive is healthy and it's just a straight recovery, uh, there's tools out there that allow us to just flick a switch and the computer will clone itself, do a forensic copy to its destination, and it's done. Um, those, those are wonderful repairs because they're quick and easy. They Typically, I don't have to even look at the data. I just say I look at the bar that crawls across the screen and it'll tell me if everything's been verified and I trust it and life goes on. Unfortunately, that's not the case with this service. The, the, this data recovery, because it was a laptop where the drive was on the logic board and you can't pull the drive and stick it in something else because it was liquid damaged and it had power issues. It would only remain on for an hour or so. Then it was shut off and then I'd have to charge it up and then it would shut off. And because of this on and off, the stop and go process, I could not use any automated tasks. I literally had to go in there and manually drag and drop folder by folder, trying to beat the battery before it shut down again. And when it shut down, I'd have to charge it, come back to it, compare what I copied with what was originally there, and then pick up where I left off. And it's during that comparison and that verification process where I was forced to look at the data. I was forced to verify what I was doing was actually copying over. And it's, that's where I saw a lot of sensitive material, a lot of personal material, but also a lot of financial material that kind of threw up some red flags. But you got to remember back then his father wasn't running for president. This was just a, a guy that I was trying to help him out by cutting him a deal and recovering data for him. Um, unfortunately, two weeks later, when his father announced his candidacy, and I realized that Hunter Biden was in possession of a piece of paper that clearly said I was allowed to recover data from his digital devices. I figured it was just a matter of time before somebody was going to find that piece of paper and then come looking for it and come looking for me. 
You know, it's very interesting that you lay out the timeline, John Paul, because I, I had forgotten about this. You're exactly right. The reason he brought those laptops to you is because he knew his father was going to announce two weeks later. He knew the timeline, and he probably had a holy crap moment that these laptops were damaged. They had all of this information that was compromising to his father, his candidacy, the family, and needed to retrieve all of that because in his inebriated states, he probably forgot what was on those laptops, but he knew it was bad for the family. Um, so that's why he brought it to you when he did. I had completely forgotten about that timeline. You're exactly right. So as John Paul, as you are looking at the contents of this hard drive, and as you say, uh, financial data, possible uh, illegal activity, financial improprieties, uh, foreign governments, uh, those international business transactions, pornography, God knows what else. As you're seeing all of this hit your eyeballs and your brain, what did you think? Well, I, I thought, oh my goodness, no family in their right mind would ever want this material to be handed out to a complete stranger. And that's exactly what had happened to me. And my first and for the first couple months, it was strictly fear. I, I was afraid that a, a one of the most powerfully politically connected families uh, had a dirty secret that they dropped in my lap and they were going to do whatever they had to do to keep that secret. And I just wanted it out of my shop. And as the summer progressed and I made more and more efforts to get it out of the shop, I also my fears also grew because... I started noticing in the news cycle, Burisma, Hunter Biden, shady business deals kind of circulating. This is in midsummer of 2019. And I was then thinking, great, I'm, I'm fearing for my safety because I'm afraid that once the Bidens figure out what I'm sitting on, they're going to come after me. But now I'm also concerned that I'm sitting on criminality or cr evidence in a criminal case. And it wasn't until about the end of July when it became my property. And I was like, look, I need to get this out of my shop. I need to get this to the FBI. I did a deep dive in it to make sure before I went to the FBI that what I was actually seeing was, was real. And it didn't take me but a couple of weeks to, to paint a picture of a pay for play scheme being run out of the office of the vice president. So I knew by end of August, uh, early September, that I had to get this to the FBI. John Paul, please hang tight. We've got so much more to get to with you coming straight up. But first, guys, I know that eating five healthy servings of fruits and vegetables a day can be really tough, right? Who has time to prepare that every day? I know I don't, which is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens makes it so easy to get the dietary recommended amount of fruits and veggies. Field of Greens is a science-backed formula of specific fruits and vegetables you won't find in any other product. Plus, proper nutrition reboots your metabolism so you burn calories faster and lose weight a healthier way. And Field of Greens is the only brand backed by a better health promise. Yes, you'll look and feel healthier fast, but the greater proof comes at your next checkup when your doctor says, wow, you've lost weight. Whatever you're doing, keep it up. Okay, let's get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com promo code Monica. That's fieldofgreens.com promo code Monica. We're coming right back. Okay, we're back with John Paul Mac Isaac. So you knew, you could tell, because you are not uh, technically challenged the way I am, uh, that you knew that this material was real, that it was authentic, it wasn't some sort of deep fake. And so uh, you wanted to return it to Hunter. So let's just set the stage. You want to return it to its owner and you call him or reach out by email how many times? Uh, I sent an automated per his request on April 17th because uh, he dropped off the drive on the 16th. So I knew his phone was working because I left him a message on the 15th that he needed to go to Best Buy, pick up an external drive, drop it off at the shop. I'll transfer everything to the drive and I'll call him when it's ready. He came in on the 16th. He requested that when I'm complete, I bill him through Square, which is an automated cash or payment system. Uh, so on the 17th, I called him, sent out the automated payment request. 
Uh, I called him, I think, at the end of the week. I think I called him about two more times in April and then probably about two or three times in May. Uh, in June, I think maybe once. I can't remember. Uh, but it's it's. I made multiple efforts uh, during the whole process that it was in my possession to get it back to him because I just wanted it out of my shop. Sure, sure. And as the summer progressed, I even remember like – being very sketchy about leaving voicemails because I, I was just fearful. I, I did not want them to, you know, I wasn't very specific in the, Hey, your product is ready for pickup, you know, as opposed to your data recovery is complete, Mr. Biden, right. <laughs> come and come get your pornography. So I, I was, <laughs> oh I was very, yeah, I was very concerned. Um, and then once it became my property and I realized the depths of the, the criminality on it, I just, I knew that there was, I didn't trust the FBI, but I believed in them that that was the place that this needed to go. Yeah, well, you would, as any American citizen prior to the last couple of years, would think that, yeah, your assumption would be that the FBI is the place to go. I mean, you're talking about the son of a newly declared presidential candidate who had been a U.S. senator and vice president. So, yeah, the assumption would be, let's take this to the FBI because the FBI would, uh, they're on our side, right? I mean, G-men, they're ready to invest investigate potential crimes. So obviously that would be your assumption. Now I think everybody would think twice before taking something of a political nature like this to the FBI, but you did absolutely the right thing. So you contacted them and what happened next? Well, I was still kind of gripped with fear at this point. So I I was concerned that the local uh, good old boy politics in this part of the country would uh, would affect the outcome. So I actually enlisted my father, who's a retired colonel in the Air Force, to take a copy of the laptop, a copy of Hunter's signed authorization, take that to the FBI field office in Albuquerque, and to alert them of the existence of this laptop and try to get them this information. And that was on October 9th of 2019. Uh, Unfortunately, my father described that interaction with the FBI as the most humiliating experience of his entire life. Uh, He's gave 31 years of his life to the Air Force and had never asked for his government for anything in return. And he went into that FBI field office explicitly to get protection for his son, because my father realized quicker than I did of the bomb that I was sitting on. And he just wanted to, you know, he's 1500 1600 miles away from his kids so he can't do anything to help me uh and the fbi told him to don't talk about this lawyer up and get out and uh that was that was on october 9th of 2019 so we didn't know what to do at that point uh we were really concerned i mean it's just unbelievable that the fbi was burying this laptop from the get-go from the jump Um, you know, when a full investigation into it and Joe and Hunter should have been done. I mean, it's just, it's just, I mean, I guess it shouldn't shock us anymore. But did that shock you when you got that message from your father that the FBI wasn't interested? You know, I, I was always wary of the FBI just because I, that prior December or prior January, I think Roger Stone was raided. Mm -hmm. Uh, we saw three years of the Mueller investigation and, and Russia collusion. So it was kind of, we, we kind of felt like we were hoping that we would get like the one good agent. And when we, my dad got kicked out of the office, we were like, well, I guess we were never going to find that good agent. Uh, about a month later though, we got hope again when uh, agent Joshua uh, Wilson reached out to my father in an effort to get a hold of me. And we did a quick little Google search on him and he had been uh, heavily involved in going after child predators for uh, a while at the agency. So I kind of got a good vibe from this guy that he was, he was a good American. He was a good guy. And uh, so I agreed uh, to open a line of communication with him. That was November 1st when he reached out to my father. And then I eventually agreed to have agent uh, Joshua show up at my home in mid November uh, he brought with him Agent Mike. Um, Joshua asked all the questions. Agent Mike just kind of quietly wrote a lot of things down in his clipboard. I uh, never got a good vibe uh, out of Agent Mike. Um, but th- once again, I told him, "Here, here's, please take this laptop. Please take it out of my shop. They were like, we can't. Uh, we'd have to talk to our legal department. Uh, they asked me what my concerns were. I said, look, there's individuals, foreign and domestic, that I think would, would legitimately want to do me harm if they knew what I knew that was on this laptop. 
And the whole time I'm also like we were in the midst of the impeachment hearings. And I knew that this laptop would have exonerated the president and at least the material on the laptop. And I but I didn't want to seem political at all. So I was trying to kind of be nonchalant, like I had printed up some documents that I thought pertained to Burisma and, and were topical to the uh, the Ukraine phone call that the president was being accused of, uh, you know, a quid pro quo. And, you know, they, the agents really didn't seem interested. They didn't touch the paperwork. They were very adamant about not taking or touching anything. Um, so I was surprised when they showed up to my shop on December 9th uh, with a subpoena and said that they wanted to take everything. And I was overjoyed. I don't think any FBI agent has ever been handed someone a subpoena that was that excited to receive one. <laughs> so it literally took them, what, six months to come back to you and say, OK, we'll, we'll take possession of this laptop? Well, uh, October, November, about two, two months from the time that my father walked okay. into the FBI office to when they finally came to my shop to pick it up. Okay. Which doesn't seem like a lot, but trust me, those were some nail biting two months. Oh, I I bet you were just staring at the ceiling all night, every night, you know, wondering, is this the day I'm going to get the knock at the door? Is this, you know, is my life in danger? Because you realized what a hot potato you had in your hands. When they finally said, okay, we're going to come and take possession of this laptop, I'm sure you felt relief. But did it occur to you that they were taking possession of it to bury it and not to investigate it? You know, there were, there were a couple red flags during the interaction. So when they first told me they were coming, they said that they're going to bring a tech guy and that they were going to do a forensic clone, that they still wouldn't touch it, uh, but they wanted a copy of it. And I'm like, OK, fine. If I, you know, I'm sure that they can afford the best talent over at Langley or wherever they they hatch these guys. So uh, I said, sure. And so when they showed up with a subpoena, that caught me off guard because Agent Mike had called me up about a half hour before they they showed up. And he wanted the serial number off of both the laptop and the hard drive. And when he showed up with the subpoena, the subpoena had one, the first sheet of the subpoena was very formal, Department of Justice seal, I'm to report to this grand jury on December, whatever. In lieu of an appearance, I have to provide C Appendix A. And I, that was just a next, the next piece of paper was just a plain white sheet of paper. It had Appendix A written across the top, and it had two serial numbers. And I'm thinking this piece of this piece of paper could be anything. They could like leave the shop and replace this with another piece of paper, and boom, laptop's gone forever. So that kind of caught me off guard because a, I wasn't expecting a subpoena. B, I wasn't expecting a subpoena with a blank white sheet of paper, which is two serial numbers that I had just provided a guy like 30 minutes sooner. So that kind of threw up a flag. The uh, then they gave me instructions on what to say if Hunter or somebody representing Hunter ever came looking for the laptop. They told mm-hmm. me to stall them. They said uh, to make up a story how it's in an offsite location and that it's going to take a day or two for me to retrieve it, collect their personal contact information. And then when I'm done talking to them, I'm immediately to text Agent Mike and he will find a way to return the laptop to me. And I thought, if this is evidence or should be evidence in a locker somewhere, how should it be so easily returned? Right. And then, uh, um, yeah, I think the big the big flag was when they were leaving the shop. And of course, you know, I try to crack a joke when I'm nervous. And I said, don't worry, lads, I'll leave your names out of the book. (laughs) That's when when Agent Mike turned around to me and said, uh, in our experience, nothing ever happens to people that don't talk about these things. Mm. And I just kind of waved goodbye while I digested that in my head and realized that, oh, that's that's probably a fairly thinly veiled threat. Yes, not so thinly veiled. Yeah, yeah coming from awesome. coming from an FBI agent. This is an agency that's supposed to be serving and protecting us, right? Yeah, so as they drove away and I'm locking back up the shop and I'm just kind of like, oh, great. I think I, I made a very bad decision. Uh, and now the circle of people that know about this is substantially greater than it was before. And I'm nervous. And then I get a phone call like a couple hours later from Agent Mike. And he's like, yeah, we're having trouble getting into this drive. Can you, do you have some time to walk us through some things? And I'm like, okay, uh, what are you trying to connect it to? And then I explained how you need a Mac. And then they're like, well, do you have a power supply? And this, this was back and forth for, I I almost want to say two days. I was providing free tech support to the FBI because at this point I figured, wait, if I don't 
cooperate with the FBI? Don't they find a way to throw you in prison for that? So I, I'm more and more nervous. I remember even uh, texting my father at the end of the first day. I'm like, you know, I, hey, it's out of the shop. Everything's good. I think I think we're good except they kept calling me for tech support. And he agreed that this thing is something that should have been put in a envelope and taken into a laboratory and not be poked with in a Wilmington FBI office. So that, that threw up some flags. And then about a week and a half later, agent Mike called me up to see if uh, anybody had been in looking in for the laptop. And I said, no, and he seemed surprised. And uh, that was the last, uh, my last interaction with the FBI that I know of. And that was, that was mid, December of 2019. We've got to hit this quick break, but we will be back with so much more. This is a fascinating conversation. First though, guys, think about this. To dig our country out of this huge mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000, and it's only getting worse. Protect yourself with gold today by texting Monica to 989-898. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text Monica to 989-898 to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold is the place to go to protect your future. Text Monica to 989-898 today and get with Birch Gold. We'll be right back. We're back with John Paul MacIsaac. His new book is called American Injustice. You very rightly point out that there was the impeachment going on. So there are impeachment proceedings happening. You know that what's on the laptop will vindicate President Trump, and yet it's gone to the FBI to die. So you then bring it to Congress, right? To whom and what did they do with it? Well, once again, I'm, I'm, my fear kind of took over any any ounce of courage I had. So I, I enlisted my father and my uncle to reach out to, uh, my uncle's also a retired colonel in the Air Force, to reach out to members of Congress. Because at this point in time, in early 2020, I'm convinced that I can still keep my identity a secret. I can still protect my business and my person. I can still live my life and nobody will know what I'm trying to do. And uh, unfortunately, during the about the same time my father and uncle were reaching out to, to Congress, uh, the pandemic had started and the country was gripped in lockdowns. And I think Congress is preoccupied with uh, the past administration's bombardment of being accused of colluding with Russia. And and I think the, the pandemic just was too much and our cries for help fell on deaf ears. I mean, we reached out to a lot of people that are paying attention now. We reached out to them, but their paternal guard stood in the way or, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to tell why exactly, uh, we couldn't get through to Congress, but by the end, by middle summer, I realized that, uh, I had to do something that the longer I waited, something that should have been given to the authorities a year ago, it was going to end up an October surprise if I didn't do something. And that's when I finally in August traded my fear for courage. And I reached out directly to Rudy Giuliani's office because I figured, Uh, There was no other person on the planet that deserved to have this information than the president of the United States because he was being accused of a pre-quote pro quo that would have – this this laptop would have exonerated of that. Absolutely. And uh, And Rudy at the time was an attorney for President Trump who was going through this impeachment uh, nightmare. So you bring it to Rudy, and what was his reaction? Well, I never spoke – to Rudy. And I still have never spoke to Rudy. I, I reached out to the website with an email basically saying, look, here's the situation. This is what happened with this laptop. I gave it to the FBI. I would hope that they would do something. I don't think they're going to do anything. Uh, this needs to get to the president. There were people that can act on this and, and do something with this material. And then I got a response the next day from uh, Bob Costello, who's a lawyer for Rudy Giuliani. And uh, we had a quick phone call and it became clear that the best thing course of action was for me to overnight a copy of the drive, uh, which I did on August 28th. 
unfortunately, apparently the FBI was eavesdropping uh, on that because they arranged a workshop the following week to be prepared for this. Um, but thank you, Elon Musk, and for releasing the, the Twitter files. And uh, yeah, so I, I thought my involvement was done. I handed this over to a lawyer representing the president of the United States. Uh, and I can hope that justice is served and people are held account accountable and that my information never gets leaked and I can go about my business. Unfortunately, October 14th happened and uh, the, that dream evaporated rather quickly. So October 14th, 2020. So everybody, I just want you to keep in mind that the timeline that John Paul is laying out here is critical. Hunter walks into a shop on April 12th, 2019 and hands over this laptop. Um, we're now well into 2020 to the presidential um, election cycle, uh, well into the campaign. The FBI has had the laptop for nearly a year at this point, as we're heading into the 2020 election. So the FBI knows quite well what is on that laptop. They all know that it's real. As John Paul kept trying to tell them, this is real. This is, a... they knew it was real and they buried it. And then as we now know, as you say, John Paul, thanks to Elon Musk and the Twitter files, we now know that big tech and the regime were working together to bury that laptop and all of its contents again. But Rudy takes it to the New York Post. They see what a blockbuster story this is, and the story goes wide. And that's really when the next chapter of your story really takes place, right? Because they start coming at you. Yeah, it, it really didn't take too long for people to put two and two together. I actually got a phone call on October 13th, uh, right before I closed. And I pick up the phone, and it's a gentleman named George Maceres, who identifies himself as Hunter Biden's lawyer. And he said, hey, uh, my client left a laptop with you sometime in 2017. Do you still have it? And I was like, well, we don't go back that far. Normally, abandoned products are, are disposed of, but let me collect your information. Shoot me an email that sh shows that you are allowed to speak on behalf of your customer or client, and I will go and look at my offsite. Basically, I told him what the FBI told me to tell. And uh, instead of calling the FBI, uh, once the phone call was complete, I called Bob Costello and I said, uh, I, I used, I think, more colorful language, but basically Hunter's lawyer knew exactly where I was. He said, are you on the backside of Trolley Square? Uh, that made me super nervous. I didn't go home that night. I, I closed up the shop, pulled the blinds, called an Uber, went to a friend's house, crashed, tried to sleep on the couch, couldn't go to sleep, uh, was hitting refresh at like 6.30 in the morning when the New York Post ran the story. And by seven o'clock, I was getting death threats. And I... Just, I was just amazed at how quickly an effort was made to shut down the story. Um, I actually got a phone call at about nine in the nine in the morning from a buddy of mine who said that he said, "Dude, you broke the internet." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "It's everywhere. Nobody can talk about it. It's like they flicked a switch." And knowing a little bit about technology, I knew that this. This was a coordinated attack. This this was something that was planned in advance. This is not something that happens organically. Um, that when this story broke, somebody flicked a switch, and social media and mainstream media all went lockstep with this idea that this was hacked Russian disinformation. And it just I realized right then and there that this was so much bigger than me and my quest for safety and and just trying to self preservation. That this this was like you know major state-run, state-level stuff. And for all those people that fear that we're inching towards socialism, I just got a splash of cold water in the face on October 14th. Oh, yeah. No, and they were starting to smear you as a hacker and a criminal. It was just unbelievable. And then, of course, we had the um, essay from those 51 former intelligence analysts, some very, very high-ranking, calling the laptop, as you say, Russian disinformation. We all knew, anybody with a brain, uh, after the story broke, we all knew that that was a lie at the time. And now... The, with the actual evidence that it was Hunter's. Everybody now knows that it was a lie, but you knew it was a lie all along because Hunter literally handed the laptop to you. Yeah. And you know, it, it's his lawyer called me up and that's why for, for all these intelligence experts for Adam Schiff to go before the American people to use their influence from their credentials to lie to the American people. It basically, to reiterate 
a campaign slogan because even Joe Biden went before the American people and said that this is all from Russia. This is all from the Kremlin. So when you have when you have a large portion of the federal government all saying the same thing, it's no wonder that half the country thought I colluded with a foreign power to affect an election. And I get it. I you know, when you're lied to on that level, you can't tell truth from reality and or fiction and um and that's what happened to me and and i'm still feeling the brunt of that two and a half years later because it keeps coming out first they thought it was all fake then it's real now i'm a traitor now <laughs> excuse me now when they realize that russia wasn't involved they they want to make me look like a right-wing QAnon nut job that that's plotting with roger stone to insert fake data into a fake laptop you know it, it's just outrageous that you know the the efforts that individuals will go to hold on to their truth at, at the effect of destroying mine. Yeah, I mean it's just completely outrageous, of course, and unacceptable in America. And it must have been totally frightening for you because, you know, when anything like this happens, even when you have great family like you and your dad, um, and great legal counsel, which I also hope that you have had and continue to have, but it is a very isolating situation. You know, you feel in so many ways that you are absolutely alone, and you cannot believe it's happening to you. Hmm. Yeah, well, when when I when I was forced to flee my home and close my business and go into hiding for about a year, uh, you kind of reflect reflect a lot on that. And it's you know I'm visually impaired, so if somebody wanted to do me harm, uh, there's lots of accidents that a visually impaired person can succumb to. Uh, and it's you know to this day I don't really leave the house. Uh, I th actually thank COVID for providing us with the ability to have everything delivered to your home now. Uh, which is super convenient, but I'm even running into problems with that. You know, I'll place an order, somebody will see my name and then they'll, they'll cancel my order or they'll say my credit card was stolen and flag my credit card. So, you know, this, it's, it's a constant barrage, you know, uh, at first, yeah, a lot of fear, but now, now it's a nuisance above all. And, and, but I, you know, I figured the, the more you're over the target, the heavier the flag is. And the fact that I'm getting attacked by Hunter's legal team, I'm getting attacked by all their supporters, I'm getting attacked by the press, I'm getting, a, you know, it's heating up, which means I'm on the path to doing the right thing again and by holding these people accountable. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Will you open another computer repair shop so I can bring my busted laptop? Not in Delaware. <laughs> not uh, in Delaware. <laughs> definitely not ten miles from Joe's house. Uh, <laughs> it's still, it's still pretty, pretty heat, heated over here. Uh, Florida has offered to uh, welcome me and <laughs> my repair business. Uh, you know, I want to. I, I, I would like the next chapter of my life to be more creative. I, I have another book in me that tells the story of what happened to me with my battle against Twitter, what's happening to me now. I thought I was almost done writing it, but then all of a sudden I get bombarded by Hunter Biden's legal team. And now he's going after my father and my uncle. And it's kind of, I figure I'm not, I'm not ready to finish writing this book yet. Apparently there's a couple more chapters. So I'm, I'm, I'm not done fighting this battle. I don't want to think about my life after this until this part's done, because I don't want to cloud my judgment with dreams or aspirations other than holding these people accountable and, and doing the right thing for the country. Oh, absolutely. And you certainly have over the last, what, four years or so. I mean, I, it's hard to believe that this has been ongoing for the last four years. In our final moments here, is there anything you want to say, John Paul, to Joe and Hunter Biden, to the FBI, to big tech and the propaganda press? Well, uh, for the FBI, I, I obviously wish they had done their job back in October of 2019, because then I'd still have everything and have my life. Uh, but I am grateful for the individuals at the FBI that still respect and honor the Constitution that they swore an oath to uh, that have come forward uh, to reveal the weaponization and politicization of the FBI. So I still I wish I had spoken to one of those gentlemen or ladies uh, Unfortunately, that's not the case, but, you know, sometimes you have to watch something break before you can fix it. As far as the Bidens, I just, you know, I, imagine if he had just paid his bill, you know, this, this would have, you know, but 
things happen for a reason. So I guess pay your bills would be the moral of the story and have a backup, always back up your data. Uh, that is a key tip, which I don't always do, but that, I mean, guys, we've had this blockbuster conversation with John Paul Mac Isaac that at the very end, <laughs> if you take anything away, back up your data, 100%. Um, look, Hunter Biden is, you know, very troubled individual and the idea that his father and his family used him as the family bagman when he clearly needed serious help with addictions and all kinds of demons is really, you know, a commentary on on them. But what's happened to you is just unbelievable, and this story is unbelievable. And I want to thank you, John Paul, uh, first of all, for being here today, but also for doing the right thing, even at this tremendous cost. You really are a hero. I know you reject that label, but you know anybody else in this position would have uh, just fallen apart, and you haven't, and you've stood up to these massive government agencies who have tried to destroy your life. And by the way, we'd never know any of this about the Biden family corruption without you. So we all owe you a debt of gratitude. Well, I I just want to say how grateful I am to all your listeners and to everybody that has shown their support because I wasn't built for any of this. And I'm pretty sure if I haven't had the backing of what feels like half the country, uh, I probably would have fallen apart or I probably would have rolled over or given up. I just feel like I have half the country depending on me to seek justice and accountability because they did I've been given a unique opportunity and, and I'm not going to waste it. And what happened to me shouldn't ever happen to any other American. And we shouldn't be afraid of blowing a whistle and we shouldn't be made an example of. So I'm hoping that I can be an example for the next guy. And that I just want to say thanks to everybody that has given their prayers because I probably wouldn't have made it this far without them. Well, continue praying for John Paul Mac Isaac, and you were certainly an extraordinary uh, role model and give all of us courage and a big reminder that this government, including the FBI, works for us. We pay their salaries. We offer our support, and it, it's not for them to target normal Americans like you and me for doing the right thing. John Paul Mac Isaac, the book is called American Injustice, My Battle to Expose the Truth. It's available on Amazon, wherever you get your books, go get it and please support him. Um, he's worthy of our support, as are all of our guests on this show, but he is an average American and every man who did the right thing and has paid a tremendous cost for it. John Paul, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that was an absolutely fascinating and very important conversation. I'm so glad that you guys were here for it. Don't forget, tell everybody you know about the Monica Crowley podcast. You are not missing a minute and neither should they. Uh, Next week, we're going to have Senator Tommy Tuberville. Coach Tuberville is going to join us. Um, He's really honing in, as I said, on the uh, biological males being allowed to compete in girls' sports. It is completely outrageous. He's working on legislation. He will be here on that and a lot of other subjects that I want to talk to him about. We'll also talk about CPAC because I'm going to be there speaking. So we've got some great stuff on CPAC. Go to CPAC.org to get your tickets now. Um, It's happening in early March, so please go check it out. And we're working on another big guest for next week as well. You don't want to have FOMO. Glad you're here. And thank you so much for checking out our phenomenal sponsors. We all really appreciate that as well. All right, have a fantastic weekend, and I will see you right back here on Monday. Monday.